Different events in depth discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, where you get the African perspective. you with me, Benjamin Moshatama. Once again, this new week, very sunny Johannesburg here, where we're broadcasting in Auckland Park, Johannesburg, South Africa. Thank you for joining us on our various platforms. Remember, we're on a new frequency now, and our frequency is 7230 kilohertz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa. But hey, we still remain on some of the platforms. We're still on uh, DSTV Channel 802 and you can also uh, stream us on www.channelafrica.co.za Well, today we'll start with African politics this week and uh, we're looking at the readiness of the Democratic Republic of Congo, especially due to the fact that is it ready uh, for the elections uh, next month? We know there's an Ebola crisis in the country. There's also still this uh, reoccurring issue of uh, conflict in the country and also there are talks around uh, the pressure on opposition politics in the country. So we'll try look at this particular topic, see if the country will actually have elections and are they really, really ready as they claim. But Anne Musa is standing by right now. She's going to give us our news update. In the headlines, an Egyptian rights group suspends operations amid a sweeping government crackdown. Cameroonian police arrest 19 supporters of opposition leader Maurice Kamtu, who is disputing the results of the October presidential elections and the United Nations Security Council set to lift sanctions imposed on Eritrea. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. An Egyptian rights group which has supported victims of alleged police torture and forced disappearances say it's halting operations amid a sweeping government crackdown. The Egyptian Coordination for Rights and Freedom say another member, lawyer Mohamed Horira, was arrested last week. Horira is married to Aisha Kairat al-Shatta, the daughter of an imprisoned senior member of the Muslim Brotherhood. She was also arrested last week. Authorities have arrested thousands of Muslim Brotherhood members since the 2013 military overthrow of President Mohamed Morsi, who had been a prominent member of the Islamist group. Police in Cameroon have arrested 19 supporters of opposition leader Maurice Kamtu, who is disputing the results of the October presidential elections. The supporters were arrested as they were protesting against President Paul B. on Sunday. The arrests happened at two different places in the town of Bafusam and the country's west where Kamtu's backers were picketing. Kamtu, who according to official results came second with 14% of the vote behind incumbent Bia on Friday called for an independent vote recount. He claimed victory in the October 7th polls and has been declared an outlaw by the government.
United Nations Security Council is set to lift sanctions imposed on Eritrea, this according to reports from the Council's most recent meeting. The move comes in the wake of the United States backing down on its long-held stance that the sanctions remain in place. Eritrea has in the past accused the U.S. of being behind the imposition and maintenance of the sanctions. The United Kingdom is said to have circulated a move for the lifting of sanctions imposed since 2009. The new push for the lifting is strongly tied to a July 2018 peace deal between Eritrea and Ethiopia after decades of hostilities. Foreign ministers of countries in the region called for a lifting of the sanctions during the UN General Assembly in New York. South Africa's Home Affairs Minister Melusi Gigaba says he will not resign until he's asked to vacate his position by President Cyril Ramaphosa. This follows calls from other political parties for Gigaba to be fired. Public protector Busisi Mkwebane found that Gigaba violated the Executive Ethics Code and the Constitution by lying under oath in court in the Fireblade aviation case. The leaking of a sexually explicit video has also dented his reputation. However, Gigaba says he will humbly step down at the request of the ruling ANC and the President. I am subject to the discipline of the African National Congress and its decisions. I serve in the, in the National Executive at the pleasure of the President and I will uh, continue to do so so long as the President um, wishes me to. And if either the President or the African National Congress asks me to step aside, I will with humility do so. And finally, members of South Africa's ruling ANC Women's League have joined protesters outside the Lanasia Magistrates Court south of Johannesburg as two suspects who were arrested in connection with the gruesome murder of a family are making their first appearances this morning. Seven people were killed, including women and children, early last week in Flakfontein near Lanasia. The victims were laid to rest in a mass funeral. Members of the community say the pair should be denied bail. Proceedings have now started inside the court. The ANC Women's League's Mapula Kumalo explains. We support women who have been abused, who have been killed. Every hour in South Africa, women have been killed. These two men have killed seven family members. It's just that it's so much for the family, they cannot even take it. As an ANC, we are saying that sentence must come back. We are sick and tired of people who will be killing women every hour in South Africa. Recapping the top stories, armed Egyptian rights group suspends operations amid a sweeping government crackdown. Cameroonian police arrest 19 supporters of opposition leader Maurice Kamtuiz disputing the results of the October presidential elections. And the United Nations Security Council set to lift sanctions imposed on Eritrea. Are you looking for opportunities to network with Africa's business leaders? Do you want to engage with movers and shakers and participate in master classes presented by industry experts? Then, here's your personal invitation to attend the 4th Annual Africa Women Innovation and Entrepreneurship Forum and Exhibition taking place on the 8th and 9th of November in Cape Town, South Africa.
If you want to register, then visit www.awiefourum.org. Again, www.awiefourum.org. If you cannot make the event, then don't worry. You can follow it through live broadcasts on Channel Africa. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, uh, SABC's external service into Sub-Saharan Africa. Thank you for joining us on our various platforms. Let me mention again that our frequency has changed, that it's now 7230 kilohertz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa. And also, if you're listening to us on DSTV, things remain the same. We're still on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet, and you can stream us live on www.channelafrica.com. Well, today we're going to be discussing what's happening in the Democratic Republic of Congo, especially as the country gets itself ready uh, for the elections uh, next month. It's just around the corner. Uh, Do you think that uh, the country is ready to host these elections? Give us your thoughts on our Twitter handle at Channel Africa One or at African Dialogue. Well, uh, let's look at some of the varying factors in October, the United Nations Security Council headed to the Democratic Republic of Congo ahead of this December elections amid the Ebola crisis and we know that now there's a lot of conversations in terms of is the country ready because of the Ebola crisis, there's still conflict in the country and also there's a risk of uh, poll violence, we know that uh, there has been uh, some uh, criticism from opposition um, politics or politicians stating the fact that they feel that uh, they are under threat ahead of the elections. Well, to assist us on this particular uh, conversation, we've got Sylvain uh, Salusek, who's joining us uh, from, uh, uh, in our studios rather. He's from the Congolese citizen movement, Lucha. And also on the line, we've got Charles Nyukonge, who is a research fellow at the Institute for Global Dialogue. Well, let's start with the conversation with you, Sylvain, in terms of the various dynamics, I mean, the latest I've heard about the Ebola crisis, the fact that the death toll has now reached 280, and uh, it's still a country that does have conflict in, in various parts of the country, and there's still a lot of tension when it comes to the political climate. What are your thoughts around the readiness of the DRC as uh, a, a citizen from the DRC? Uh, first of all, thank you, Benjamin, for inviting us in the studio. Sure. Um, and I think when we s- want to talk about the readiness of uh, the, these elections, we have to go back mm. uh, a couple of months ago. Mm. Uh, from a civil society point of view and uh, and, and uh, youth movement, we launched a platform, an electoral platform, monitoring the evaluations, which could have actually been uh, uh, leading us into having a, a proper, uh, good, free and fair elections. Mm. Um, and of those... There are a couple of key points which we actually agreed upon uh, out of the Sanco Agreement mm. uh, um, uh, Accord. And some of those things were things such as uh, um, uh, opening up of uh, political space, mm. uh, allowing oppositions to have access to the media, allowing opposition to return those who have been ba- barred from, from, from going back. Uh, other things clearly were uh, things such as uh, that the implementation of that particular accord itself. Mm. So when you look at those things, uh, uh, by then, one of the key points was President Kabila 
announcing himself if he will run or not, yeah. which he has done that he's appointed uh, uh, a, a Dauphin. Mm. Um, but then when you look at any other aspect or any any other of these uh, particular uh, indications, uh, as we call them, uh, none of them has been implemented. So before we even move mm. into talking about the logistics itself, mm, mm. but from a political point of view, there's very little that the government has done mm. to inspire confidence that's, that we should be going into a good mm. elections. Mm. Now, if you allow me to go into now the, the, the logistics part of things, sure. um, Saini introduced uh, uh, that will be, Saini, which is the, the, the electoral body, mm. introduced that we should be using uh, the uh, machines to mm. vote. Mm. which one is unconstitutional because mm. the law doesn't allow it mm. in the Congo mm. currently. Mm. And then two, uh, uh, Seni itself, mm. based on its calendar, which, which they, they gave, they never actually mentioned in the entire calendar that will either be acquiring or procuring or using these machines. Mm. So now we're being fo- forced into going into a process where we're now less than two months uh, going to elections mm. where we, we have to be using these machines and yet one... <laughs> You look at the number of machines plans to have so that we can run proper elections they've got maybe something like less than 30 percent of those machines mm-hmm. if you look at the the, the infrastructure challenges mm-hmm. in the congo mm-hmm. how would you transport these machines when are they getting these, these other machines then you're now looking at, at issues such as the insecurities that is happening in, in the kasai area mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, you recently there have been a lot of people being chased from Angola back into the uh, in the Congo in the Kasai still mm. you still have got issues you mentioned about the Ebola crisis mm. which is mm. getting even worse and worse sure. which is being actually multiplied by the fact that in the region we have a region which is really plied by by huge insecurities mm. um Places where uh, uh, people have been killed for the last past two years and we've been asking questions about who's doing this, how come the, uh, the security apparatus are unable to actually stop these. So you have couple, couple two Ebola crisis itself, which is almost in my, my mind more of a natural uh, uh, occurrence. Uh, we have a lot of logistical mm. issues that actually are pointing to the fact that we might not be ready to have elections by 23rd of December. Well, let, let me bring in Charles. Charles, what are your thoughts, especially on some of the factors that uh, Sylvain has highlighted in terms of uh, uh, the political spectrum in the country um, and also the logistical concerns that are, have been arising, especially in the last two months? I think um, the, the, the analysis of Sylvain is quite accurate there, and good morning to yourself and good morning to your listeners. However, I think that the DRC comes from a past of a lot of uncertainty around these elections, mm. and the uncertainties have themselves caused loss of life and untold destruction of property to many people, even the, the deprivation of civil liberties of several others in the opposition who could actually not come in the country. I think, nonetheless, as we highlight this, we should actually acclaim the fact that the declaration of elections in itself is a strong food mm. in terms of advancing the democratic process um, uh, in the country, which uh, started some two decades back and which almost faltered in the last two years with mm. the incertainty as to whether or not Kedinda wanted to run and whether or not he was even ready to, um, to, to, to organize elections. I think that does has actually been said now. Kabila is not going to be in the polls. Mm. Yes, there still remains some uh, logistical challenges, as well as other challenges. The health challenges of, of Ebola, for instance, are still very real. But one thing which I must say is that mm. there is no country in this, on this on that, the planet Earth mm. which will not do with an extra day of mm. preparation for election. Mm. So even if you were to push these elections and you say, the country is not ready, let us push it again to 2019, maybe December, a lot of people are going to complain there are going to be some people who, even on the 20th of, of December, 
2019 are still not going to be ready in terms of the preparation. Mm. So I think, I think respectfully, um, the date is here. Let us mobilize uh, critical masses to go out to go out and vote. Yes, um, uh, the process may not be fair, but I think that it is it is a first step towards um, uh, giving the people the power back, the power which they have been uncertain as to whether or not they see hard with the Kabila uncertainty. Now I get the opposition agitations, and I would say the opposition just need to find a way of co- mm. coming together to actually defeat what they think is a is a robber stamp, is a robber stamp successor for Kabila. Cameroon has just had a similar thing, where Cameroon, after uh, over um, uh, almost 40 years of under the under the uh, President Paul Bia, mm. seems to be a country where you can never take Paul Bia out of election um, uh, through the ballot box, and that despondency had grown. But with the opposition coming together and much more forcefully, it presented a credible alternative to the people. And the result uh, overwhelmed the government. Yes, what has been read, or the president and the incumbent, was declared the winner. But there is no international body that can actually certify that, even those that were on the ground. They're simply respecting the institution and saying that this is what institutions have read and that they have actually observed that. But mm. I think it is now in the hands of the Congolese people to take this democratic process forward mm. and to, to decide whether or not they want the Kabila and the hegemony to continue through his, uh, his appointed successor or whether they want someone else. I think the elections in themselves are an incredible opportunity. And rather mm. than us sit and argue or debate as to whether or not they can take place or whether the frameworks are actually um, uh, the best and whether the logistics are all in place, we need to mobilize the people. All right, I'm sure that creates more questions around that because if there are still all these pending issues, uh, is it guaranteed to say that we just have elections just for the sake of elections without these imperatives uh, put in place? Well, I'm going to look at that question after this uh, quick break. Uh, We are asking the question, is the DRC ready for elections? It's just around the corner next month. What are your thoughts? Channel Africa, our Twitter handle is at Channel Africa 1, or you can go to our handle at African Dialogue. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back after this. One of Africa's most impressive events, the East African Market Festival, is taking place in Johannesburg, South Africa's biggest city, during the month of November 2018, culminating the main event on the 17th of November. Hosting a selection of incredible talented musicians, a craft market, East African cuisine, and much, much more, the East African Market Festival. Bring your family and friends. Come experience East Africa. If you cannot make it, then join Channel Africa as we bring you the excitement and sounds from the event. Channel Africa, bringing you to the African perspective. Well, thank you for joining us right here in Channel Africa. Uh, well, uh, it's 20 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. Thank you for joining us. And... Um, um, 
we're on different platforms now, especially on our shortwave service. If you're just listening to us on our other platforms, I mean, you're trying to figure out how come I can't find you on shortwave. Um, our frequency has changed. It's on the frequency 7230 kilohertz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa. But we remain on the same platforms on our website. You can still stream us on www.channelafrica.co.za. And if you're listening to us on uh, Channel 8, on DSTV. Uh, thank you for joining us on that particular platform. Today we're looking at this very contentious uh, issue of uh, is the Democratic Republic of Congo ready? And some people would say, well, the fact that uh, the DRC President Joseph Kabila has said that he will be standing down actually creates a better perception in terms of the political space whereby you're not having a strongman um, issue that is part of these elections. So uh, there's also argument around what um, Charles was highlighting, uh, Sylvain, the fact that, you know what, let's just go ahead with these elections because uh, this is probably going to actually uh, take place in terms of the persistence of the climate maybe in in another six months' time. So um, delaying the elections doesn't actually solve anything. We... I'll take everybody back in uh, in 2016 when we were actually due to have elections, and it was clear that uh, the government was not ready to held elections. If we we were to go on that premises that uh, Charles is talking about uh, of galvanizing people and go ahead and to vote, we 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 from a civil society movement we went on the street. We did two two things. One was campaigning and getting people to go and register. And guess what? Uh, as we're doing that, uh, about 20 of our militants were arrested just for going and campaigning to get people to register to vote. Fast forward a couple of months later, uh, they had a dialogue as to, guys, we are reaching a point where we need to postpone these things. And we said, well, we, if you guys feel that you, it's about readiness because you don't, you don't have a, a voter's role and things such, like, that, like that, we are proposing one solution. What about go through elections without a voter's role? So... We invite Congolese, just like uh, Charles said, over two days, for instance. Over two days, people rock up. They bring whatever form of identification they have. I mean, by the way, Congo doesn't have any ID <laughs> to speak of. So they come, they bring any identification whatsoever, and then they get they get verified there, and then they, finger, uh, they, they, they get fingerprinted uh, uh, at the moment of uh, voting. It was a way, not the, not the best, but at least we, that would have shown political commitment to maintaining the point Charles was talking about of uh, good processes where democracy is being uh, enshrined and democracy is being built through these electoral processes. The biggest elephant in the room, in my view, is the fact that President Kabila has, not, has been in power since whenever, uh, more than, more than uh, 16 years now, and for the last past two years, he has refused to hold elections. Now we are going in a phase where, where your question is rightly pl- placed, good or bad elections. I think that the, the, the trap that we should avoid, which uh, Charles was referring to, uh, which is happening in, 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 uh, in, in Cameroon, is to have elections for the sake of elections. Uh, if we want to have elections and give people the right to go and vote, then people should be allowed to just stand and go on the street and go and, uh, if it means demonstrating for one thing or the other, allow that space. 
or at least if it means talking around these elections as well, allow that space. Uh, not longer than Sunday, there's a group of young militants in Kinshasa. We, we're just uh, trying to mobilize people around civic engagement. They were arrested. So you, you see all these uh, 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 almost uh, uh, dichotomy, all, all these uh, uh, conflict uh, processes from the government where sure. one side, they, they, they say, well, we're ready. On the other side, their actions prove that it's, it's not. And I think that's where we need to be careful of. The last point about this is what? Uh, on on Saturday, the government or the Dauphin, as they call it, they issued they 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 they, they gave um, their electoral uh, machine, and guess what? In that machine, you have current ministers, you get you have current general of army. People are now part of this campaign, and yet in our electoral law, it says we should not use any government resources. That already, in my view, includes even human resources, financial resources, and everything else. And then, how do you justify that we're going to have through? We are going to go through a good process of elections with such setup being done. So, all right, let, let, let me bring it back to you, Charles, because I think that is very interesting in terms of the fact that we have seen a history of uh, a, a sense of suppression from the current government, but also now contrasting it to the fact that Joseph Kabila is a highlighted and brought forward to Sylvain that now Joseph Kabila won't be standing in. There's a contrast in, in, in that regard, and we're still seeing tensions around even processes of registration as was highlighted by Sylvain. Um, those things are very important in terms of political atmosphere for a fair elections, the fact that we need a proper registration process at least, and also the fact that we need some kind of uh, fairness when it comes to who actually uh, benefits from uh, the campaigning processes, especially the fact that um, you know the ruling party can't actually use the state coffers for its own benefits to campaign. Very valid points brought forward there by Sylvain. Yes, I, I agree that and these are valid points brought forward by, by Sylvain. However, um, if we have to go back to 2016, I think we have to be fair about one thing. The DRC is not as small as Durban or as small as Scotland. Sure. It's a very big country, yeah. the size of Eastern Europe. Um, it's a country, if you have flown across the country like I have done, you realize that there is a... Very, there, there are inadequate communication networks. So you have to ensure that there are ballot boxes which have to reach every part or every corner of the country. And the country at the point in 2016, whether or not that is true, it's not for me to actually assess. But I think the, the African Union and the United Nations actually did the assessments and said, yes, we agree with the government that the resources are not adequate to organize free and fair elections. And that's the reason why the African Union and the United Nations supported the postponement of the elections. Of course, this did not satisfy everybody, but that was the reality, that due to the vast nature of the country, the country did not have the resources then to organize elections. Elections are an expensive process. Not only the printing of the ballot boxes or the, the transparent boxes or the, the, the machines which I mentioned, mm-hmm. but how you are going to transport them and ensure that on election day that they are in every part of the country to give every Congolese the chance and the opportunity to actually express, express their vote. So... Based on that, that's what the government said. Of course, everybody or the opposition said, no, this was an attempt to, to extend the majesty of Kabila, which, of course, as I indicated, and they created certain, certain, certain doubts until these doubts were clear when Kabila said, hey, no, we are ready to actually go, go for elections. But three things which I really want to say very, very quickly, and as far as, as, far as um, the mm-hmm. points you, you have mm-hmm. mentioned mm-hmm. are concerned, which really speak to 
to, 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 to governance. The first is the importance of civic education. I think that if I again have to compare with Liberia, the elections in Liberia which took place in July last year, prior to those elections, the atmosphere was as tense as it is right now in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And everyone, including the United Nations, had done their prognosis and were very sure that Liberia was going to descend into post-election violence or to election violence. But it took civic education by civil society organizations to mobilize youth who were at the point of being radicalized or being used as forms of violence to change their perception and to get the youth to actually write, come together and produce declarations which were read on television and shared even within the United Nations that they shall accept the outcome of the elections and that they will not be used by any politician as an agent for violence. I think that's one thing which is lacking for instance in the DRC currently. Secondly, I think the country, however we see it, this rule of law. In South Africa, for instance, for people to mobilize in numbers, they need to get some clearance to, to protest. The people in the DRC do not see this as a value. They think that if they have a legitimate issue and they're passionate about it, let them just go to the street. And that is where you get these clamors. Of course, you may tell me, like the Cameroon case, that when you go out, then the, the government is going to actually um, uh, come, the, come, the, come very hard and, and, mm. and, and suppress, and suppress um, uh, these, um, uh, the expression of these civic liberties. But that doesn't seem to be the process. It looks like there's a laissez-faire attitude among the civilians who imagine that passion is a passport for violating, for violating the law. Unfortunately, you get, of course, those who are good at violating the law sometimes, or even in the military, um, uh, or who are forces of law and order, your, your police, who would actually come and hit and hit hard just so as to disperse them. Because mm-hmm. they are critically aware of the fact that mm-hmm. if we do not do anything about these movements which are popping up, before long we are going to have a serious crisis to do with. Mm-hmm. The third is we need to acknowledge that elections is one of the artifacts or one of the process of governance. Yes, civil liberty is, is important and perhaps it's being abused. But in the same way that civil, um, civil liberty is important, um, uh, we have to agree that there is a need for this, um, uh, for this political mm. education, which mm. unfortunately I think civil society is not doing enough. Mm. Civil society in most cases seems to be aligning itself more with the, with the opposition and losing their impartiality and their neutrality in the political process. There's a huge criticism there coming to you, uh, there, Sylvain. You want to respond to that? Yes, quickly. Um, I think, I think, in all fairness, and I fully agree with, uh, with uh, Charles. Um, civic education plays a key role. Uh, Lucha, a movement that, that was that was born uh, in Goma, and at our core is non-violent. So we we condemned. We do not support violence in any form. That's key to be stated. And and why that, that that for us was was important is is exactly when you when you grew up in a place where for the last past twenty years the DRC has been in a semblance of dominant peaceful state and yet it's been at war all the time. Uh, young people get together and say we don't want to be part of any militia, we don't be part of any any killings. We need to resolve all our issues peacefully. And we started uh, civic civic educations uh, in, uh, in 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 twenty fifteen in Kinshasa. We actually bring together young people, including people from the ruling party, to talk about the electoral process. And guess what? We were arrested. I was one of them. Spent about uh, a, a, a close to two months in, in jail in Kinshasa. 
that's the reality on the ground. Talking to the point about the rule of law versus uh, the, the need to protest, um, the DRC uh, uh, constitution says when you are planning for any protest, you need to go at least, uh, if my memory is correct, at least 48 hours before go to the local authorities and inform them. And together you work around the logistics around security. There's no way where it says we have to go and ask for, 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 for permission. When a government actually now comes, like we're having this uh, this, this civic engagement meeting in Kinshasa, mm-hmm. storm the venue, arrest everybody, how is that how, how is that being seen as them wanting to control this, what they call militia? Even when through and through they've checked and everybody can see, we do not condone or we do not support violence. Everything has to be done in a non-violent way. So talking about civic engagement, the DRC space itself, for the government, if it's not something which is not praising Kabila or is not praising Shadari, the, 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 the Dauphin, it does not be given any space. Every time you might have seen either any political uh, gathering in the DRC, it because from an international point of view or from an international uh, 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 set, setting, uh, 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 the, the government might have been felt the need to show as if they are allowing people to, 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 uh, to have some rally of some kind. So, the, so the, 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 the space is completely, completely closed to allow any, any, any such, uh, uh, any such um, uh, expression. Because we need to understand that the, uh, um, um, the, the democracy, and as much as I agree with you uh, again, Charles, uh, elections, it's just one, one element. But next to it, people need to be able to express themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and being able to express themselves means being able to show the frustrations in either through matches or through any other means uh, which, which, which are within uh, the law and which is, in according to us, in a non-violent man- manner. Mm-hmm. So we cannot put the need for people to wanting to stand up as if they are alienating themselves. Mm-hmm. And these things are putting us, for instance, in a camp of uh, being close to opposition. <laughs> you might go through our, our Twitter feed, you will see that actually we are one of the most, the most prominent uh, movement that actually is very vocal, even toward the opposition themselves. Okay, I want us to take a quick break and I want us to answer questions around the strength of the opposition versus the uh, ruling party, because I think that is a very interesting dynamic. And also, how is the international... Um, community going to actually have a responsibility in regards of these elections. I know that South Africa's Sir Ramaphosa has already appointed former President Tabombeke as an advisor on the Great Lakes region and that includes the DRC and we know that uh, opposition figures have been uh, speaking to uh, SADC around uh, uh, protection and safety in the country in terms of security. So what role does the opposition have in these elections? in terms of uh, do they have that kind of freedom that they need to engage with these particular um, elections and also what does the international community, we can speak about the AU, we can speak about SEDEC or even uh, the United Nations in terms of how uh, or what kind of responsibility uh, they will have in these elections. It's 11.35 Central African time. We're going to take a quick break and then when we come back we'll have our last part of this conversation. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, 
guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyan Zovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Okay, we're about to wrap up the conversation today, looking at the readiness of the DRC. It's been a very heated discussion, uh, various uh, permutations in terms of agreements and disagreements between uh, the two guests. So it's been a very much uh, multifaceted uh, conversation that we've been having. If you're just joining us, we have Sylvain Saluseke from the Congolese Citizen Movement, Lucha, and also we've got Charles Nyukonge, who's a research fellow at the Institute for Global Dialogue. Charles, let me start this part of the conversation with you in terms of uh, where do oppositions sit currently right now in terms of their strength and their relevance or their popularity in the country? Are they strong enough to engage uh, with uh, the, the, the ruling um, uh, coalitions? Yeah, to answer your question, Fred, up, I, I, I think the, the opposition was taken away when Tabilai indicated that he was not going to run. The opposition was still in the mood of protesting, contesting, and not yet in the mood of actually mobilizing the popular will to actually express express themselves through the vote. So mm-hmm. from that perspective, the community is on the back foot. Kabila would perhaps have been strategizing in the last two years and trying to, to find to find to find support or to find a possible successor. So he had a strategy and his strategy is on the first foot. It's on the fourth foot. The second thing is, I think the difficulty of the opposition to actually come together and form a strong coalition against the government and mobilize people across the country, not just, for instance, in the center peripheries, like Kinshasa or, 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 or Nubumbashi, but in the center peripheries, like, like, um, like um, the... Like Kananga and um, the, the, east, the, east, the, eastern, the eastern region. Mm. Where Kabila himself again is, 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 is largely popular, mm. if they cannot decentralize their mobilization force, then they are actually going to be to lose woefully. Now, the, the fourth point for me is the opposition that the country was greatly craving for are actually not really present in, 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 in this whole way. And these are, for instance, like your members. The country was really in the mood of, of having. Bemba kind of event or having a, a, a Moise and a Katumbi kind of coming back forcefully because they, they feel that the government has actually disenfranchised them or irritated them and that this was the time to actually revenge. Mm. And so these are candidates who, for instance, would automatically have turned the tide even if they had no political messaging. Mm. And that is one of my last things, my fifth point, is that there is no political messaging which stands as a strong alternative to what Kabila has sold or what Kabila's achievements are. So based on these five things, I think the opposition is really going on this with a back foot. But mm. if, if you may, and, and I know that the, the time is passing, I think an important point which we need to make mm. as far as Kabila having stayed for this long is concerned is that Kabila is in a region where you have um, Rwanda there. This guy, his term of office ends, and then the people mobilize and they say, we want him to run. Kabila still has support in the country, mm. even if we don't seem to, to, to realize that or, or, or to recognize that. And it is that support that keeps pushing him to actually stay on. Yes, he has decided to, to, to step aside against international pressure, but this support which he has in the country actually puts him on, on a strong foot. 
Secondly, mm. in the same subregion, you have, for instance, an Museveni uh, who has been there forever. Kabila just came yesterday. Small boy, where is he going to? So these are the perceptions which actually create a sense, even in the Kabila supporters, that our boy, our man is being treated unfairly and we need to actually mobilize and defend him and defend his choice so that the country should continue in the direction which they appreciate as being better than the, than the options of the opposition. So mm. based on this, I think that man, there is a strong contestation, mm. but that contestation plays more in favor of Kabila than the opposition. Well, Sylvain, do you agree with that? It seems like um, Kabila is still uh, a man who is uh, having his puppet strings and uh, uh, still in the scene. One would have thought that he was actually uh, no longer a factor, but listening to Charles there, it seems like uh, he is still a central figure. Um, I, I, I like it the way uh, Charles put it, uh, trying to show what Kabila has been seeing. And I think this is this week we cannot underplay this. Kabila being in the center, uh, just to paraphrase what uh, Charles says, Museveni on the left, uh, uh, Kagame, uh, Congo, Brazzaville, Sasungesu is there, Cameroon um, uh, uh, just seen, shown that as well. So Kabila, of course, has been in a place where he realized that uh, um, why shouldn't I do like others? And of course, we, we will never talk about the DRC without going back, where, why today is becoming a contentious issue of these elections. I'll remind you that uh, South Africa, through, with President Mbeki in Sun City, they had to broker this peace. Actually, the current constitution we have is the one which was drafted and agreed upon here in Sun City in South Africa. Why that was done? It was after we had we experienced in our lifetime uh, uh, Africa World War, so to speak, because we had more than 11 countries fighting in the DRC, a real war. It took a lot of effort of the region so we can have the constitution and saying this is how we're going to move forward. So not 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 refusing that the experiences seen in the region could have had an, an impact and impact on Kabila. But we as citizens of Congo, we refuse that. It's as if we it's as if we we're trying to be imposed a reality that we don't want. We say no, we want peace, we want democracy, and we want constitutional changes that will make that the president should run two terms. In office, you're done. If you if if you only if you only manage to do one percent of your, of what you promised to do, fair enough. Please allow someone else to to continue. And I think that's key today. And 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 that's where even you're talking about the readiness of the elections. This need to be taken into into considerations. What is that? Who are the, those others are playing behind the behind the doors? Who are those that are actually trying to support Kabila to continue? I I might not have uh, answers. I'm sure Charles probably, with his vested uh, uh, research, might give us more indications of that. But it's clear that the regions, the, uh, at least the neighboring countries, some countries are, are, are benefiting and they would want to see mm. Kabila remaining in power. Mm. All these need to be not taken into, into, into factor. When now we talk about the readiness of elections, or do we, are we going to have or not to have elections? Is Kabila planning a comeback again? Mm. Just watch when he was at SADC meeting, everybody else asked him to say his goodbyes. What did he say? He said, no, I'm not saying goodbyes. I'm saying see you soon. <laughs> so um, what does that leave us mm. who are on the on the ground, in the country, we, we want to see democratic changes. We don't want to take the, the, the Museveni or the Kagame or anybody else as, 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 a, as an example. Okay. All right. I just want to get brief uh, thoughts from both of you around uh, the international community, SADC's role. Um, the AU seems like a very toothless body currently right now, not really playing that strong role in this regard. Um, just in a minute, uh, Charles, 
international role in terms of making this uh, election work? What are your thoughts? Just in, in 30 seconds, give me your, just your brief uh, outlook. International role, international role is there to support the will of the people of Congo, whatever they express it through the ballot box and uh, come election day. So they can be sure that the international community is going to accompany them in the process and the international community is already doing that. I think in the UN and the African Union and other organizations are deploying observers to go there, work with civil society and work with the people, to mobilize critical masses and to actually, to actually um, uh, broaden the message around civic education mm. and to work with the election management bodies to address any, any inadequacies. And I think this is an opportunity for civil society to look forward to that mm. and to work with the African Union to address the issues which, which, um, uh, which would come up as, as potential challenges ahead of the election. Is that doable in such a short space of time, Sylvain? Um, yes, it can. What we think should be done is uh, those who are unable to run these elections, they've demonstrated for the last two years, Kabila and is Seni, they can't, they should move aside, allow someone else to come in. We've been advocating for a transition without them. Somebody has to come in so they can run those proper elections so they can continue on this uh, democratic path. All right, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you to our guests for a very interesting debate and discussion. A thank you to Charles on the line. That's Charles Nkonge, who is a research fellow at the Institute for Global Dialogue. Thank you as well to Sylvain Saluseke for coming into our studios. Really appreciate that. He is from the Congolese citizen movement, Lucha. Well, it's 11.45 Central African time. Let's take a quick break and then we'll get Tracy Boemgaard to give us our business news. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it was one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. 